So we're going to look at the whole chapter, chapter 12. Uh, it's not much. <laughs> Luis could have shared a little bit from his study, but I got a little bit. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, tonight's study is a continuation, like I said, in the study of this man, Jephthah, that God used to judge and deliver Israel. And, and tonight I want to kind of go over, do a recap of last week, because it's going to apply to what I have at the end of my end of my study tonight. It all goes together. <clears throat> I believe, you know, God raised up Jephthah, a mighty man of valor, to deliver the Israelites from bonded once again, just like was said last week. Uh, I believe that the Lord had been molding and shaping Jephthah and his character to be their deliverer before he ever called them up to deliver uh to lead the people of Gilead into battle. Using his time with these uh, worthless men that they were going about raiding and, and, uh, and all the other things that happened in his life, he was molding him and shaping him to be that deliverer because God knows the end from the beginning. You know, He knew what he was going to do through Jephthah, and he knew that Jephthah was going to step up. So, so you know, God, God molds and shapes our... He, he, he allows certain circumstances in our life to, you know, and that applies to us, you know, as, as we step out and serve God, all those things in our past that God was bringing us through to get us to this point now, he wants to use those, that character that has been built in each and every one of us for that purpose. You know, just, just like the, the men that wrote the Bible, the, the four Gospels, they had, they had different personalities and different perspective. But they were, you know, God used that somehow to bring it all together. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. Proverbs 16.9 says, A man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Also in, uh, in Ephesians 2.20, it says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus beforehand that we, you know, that we should walk in those, those good works that God prepared beforehand. You know, he, he prepared us to walk in those good works. He's, he's preparing each and every one of us for something, whatever he has. But we all have to come to God to find out what that is. <clears throat> the people of Ammon made war against Gilead, and the elders of Gilead came to Jephthah, as we saw last week, to ask him to lead him, them into battle. They obviously had seen what Jephthah was capable of, so Jephthah made a deal with them that they that he would deliver them in battle, then they would need to make him head over them. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, we saw, and he made a vow to the Lord that if he delivered the people of Ammon into his hands, then after the battle, when he came home, the first thing that came out of his door, he was going to... Uh, offer as a burnt offering to the Lord. And it says the Lord delivered them through Jephthah with a great slaughter. Not sure what Jephthah thought when he made this vow, when he knew the only thing that was going to come out of his door was either his wife or his daughter. I mean, he made this vow, you know. It ends up being his daughter, so he ends up sacrificing her, I believe, as a burnt 
offering. And I'll, I'll, I'll bring in further on in the study why I think it was a burnt offering, not just uh, her consecrating herself to the Lord. This is a tragic thing that Jephthah ended up doing by making a vow when he never should have done this. He, ne- he should have just given this to the Lord and trusted the Lord that he was going to take care of I mean, God, God, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. You know, Jephthah knew that God was doing something here and why, why he had to make this vow to, and not trust him to get this done. You know, it's not saying much. For Jephthah's character... He should have trusted him. I know. I know. We all we all can make the same mistake that Jephthah did, though. That's a, that's how it all. It, it's amazing how the, the book of Judges, man, it just really hits hard at at us. You know how we falter and how we can so we could be walking with the Lord and then boom, we're, we're you know we're laying down on the ground and defeated. <clears throat> so we got to be careful to stay close to the Lord. The Lord de- delivered. I said, like I said, the Lord delivered them through Jephthah with a great slaughter. Uh, you know, this is a tragic thing that should have never happened. He should have given this to the Lord. You know, Jephthah, Jephthah knew the history of this people. You know, he, he obviously knew the history, right? He, he, he told them uh, the whole history of, the, of his, their, their making. And... Uh, but he didn't seem to know very little. He knew very little about the law of God. He didn't know the word of God in its context. And we'll see further on. You know, there, there are scholars on both sides whether or not he did sacrifice his daughter. You know, I heard J. J. Vernon McGee say it, it was consecration. I, I heard, I, I read Xavier said that he believed that it was a, a burnt offering. Uh, Chuck Smith thought it was a burnt offering. But the, the important part is we'll find out one day when we get to heaven. We don't know for sure. But, but I'm going to bring some scriptures in and, and, and show you where I, I believe that it was. <clears throat> if he knew the scriptures or if they were all falling, then he would have known that he should have never made this vow. And also after making the vow, he would have also known that he still had a way out. Leviticus 5, 4 through 6 says, Or if a person swears, speaking thoughtlessly with his lips to do evil or to do good, whether it is that man, that a man may pronounce an oath, and he is unaware of it, and he realizes it, then he shall be guilty in any, in any of these matters. And it shall be, when he is guilty of any of these matters, that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing, and he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord for his sin which he has committed, a female from the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goats as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin. Also Leviticus 27, two, verse 2 and 4, it says, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When a man consecrates by a vow certain persons to the Lord, According to your valuation, if it is a female, then your valuation shall be 30 shekels. So we see through these verses that he could have got right with the Lord without doing this abominable thing. This sacrificing of his daughter was a pagan sacrifice that was done 
by pagans offering up sons and daughters to Molech. But in this case, he was offering it to the Lord. But he's, he's still doing the same practice as all the, the, the lands around them. You know, they're bringing in all this junk from these, these, these other gods, these other uh, nations, <clears throat> mixing it all in. <clears throat> in this time of Israel, they were all doing what was right in their own eyes, and they had mixed the things of God with the things of the world. You know, doesn't this sound like the church today? <laughs> we're, we're bringing all this emergent stuff in, this junk in from the world, and we're mixing it all up in, a, in the name of Christianity, and it has nothing to do with the Word of God, and it's completely out of the context of what the Word of God teaches. <clears throat> you know, Again, if he knew the scriptures, he would have known not to do this. Deuteronomy 12:31 says, "You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, for every abomination to the Lord which he hates, they have done to their gods. For they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods." You know, this this is why it's so important for us to, to read the Word of God and to know it and to have it in our hearts. Psalm 119.11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know, we're, we're to know the Word of God in its context and we should memorize it and meditate on it. You know, we, and then we're not going to sin against God. Yeah, we do fall, but... The more we have the Word of God, the more we're meditating on the Word of God, the more we know the context of the Word of God, the less we're going to sin, guys. And we're going to do the will of God. It's amazing how all this can apply to us. You know, if we don't know the Word of God or if we take our eyes off the Lord... Jephthah did keep his vow. You know, he did keep his vow. He, he vowed to the Lord, and he did keep it. But he never should have made it. I think this, I think his keeping this vow was more due to the culture and his pride than following the word of God. You know, I think it was the pride of Jephthah. Yes, Je- Jephthah is in Hebrews 11, you know, the, the hall of faith. We know it. But that's because he believed God and he acted upon what God told him to do. He believed God. He was, you know, in, in, uh, he's alongside of all those others. In the Bible, that, you know, with many flaws and, and, and sins, just like you and me, you know, <laughs> we believe God and it is accounted to us for righteousness. You know, Jephthah believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He was put in a right standing with God. Does that mean he can't mess up afterwards? No. We see that he did. You know, we see we see uh, Abraham lied about his wife being a sister. Moses killed a man. 
David committed adultery and had Uriah killed. Uh, Samson was very carnal, had a woman problem, and broke his Nazarite vow. At the end of Samson's life, he was used once again by God. You know, but but look how each and every one of them veered off. Man, they, they took their eyes off the Lord. They did what was right in their own eyes at that time, at that moment. But that all it takes is a moment, man, and we can be we can be in trouble, guys. We gotta keep our eyes on the Lord. Otherwise we're in deep trouble. Some of these guys started out well, but look at their tragic ending. I think the important thing for us is to run our race with endurance, you know, with patience, all the way to the end. We've got to finish our race. We've got to look under Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Not to veer off course, but to keep our eyes on him the whole way. You know, it's hard, it's hard man. There's so many distractions, so many things coming against us. That's how, that's how, you know, all these studies, they apply to us in our lives and how we walk with the Lord and, and how we're going to finish. With that, let's get into our study for tonight. I'm going to read the whole chapter first and then go back and break it down. It says, Then the men of Ephraim gathered together, crossed over towards Zaphon, and said to Jephthah, why did you cross over to fight against the people of Ammon? It did not call us to go with you. We will burn your house down with, on you with fire. And Jephthah said to them, My people and I were in a great struggle with the people of Ammon. And when I called you, you did not deliver me out of their hands. So when I saw that you would not deliver me, I took my life in my hands and crossed over against the people of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? Now Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought against Ephraim. And the men of Gilead defeated Ephraim because they said, You Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassites. The Gileadites seized the fords of the Jordan before the Ephraimites arrived and when any Ephraimite who escaped said, Let me cross over, the men of Gilead would say to him, Are you an Ephraimite? If he said no, then he would say to him, Then say Shibboleth. And he would say Sibboleth, for he could not pronounce it right. Then they would take him and kill him at the fords of the Jordan. There fell at that time 42,000 Ephraimites. And Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah the Gileadite died and was buried among the, the cities of Gilead. After him, Isbon of Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons, and he gave away 30 daughters in marriage and brought in 30 daughters from elsewhere for his sons. He judged Israel seven years. Then Isbon died and was buried at Bethlehem. After him, Elon the Zebulonite judged Israel. He judged Israel ten years. And Elon the Zebulonite died and was buried at Aijalon in the country of Zebulun. After him, Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Pirathianite, judged Israel. 
He had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 donkeys. He judged Israel eight years. Then Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Pirathianite, died and was buried in Pirathon in the land of Ephraim in the mountains of the Amalekites. So let's start with verse 1. The men of Ephraim gathered together, crossed over towards Zaphon, and said to Jephthah, Why did you cross over to fight against the people of Ammon and did not call us to go with you? We will burn your house down on you with fire. Why, what a threat. <laughs> These are brothers. Here comes the Ephraimites once again. We saw, they asked Jephthah, Why did he call call them to help him fight against the people of Ammon. And then they threaten him and tell that, that they will burn his house down on him with fire. This is a great threat on his life. You know, we just saw back in chapter 8, uh, Ephraim was causing trouble with Gideon, didn't we? About not calling them to fight the Midianites in the midst of the battle. And now they're back causing trouble with Jephthah not calling them to help fight against the Ammonites after the battle. You know, it's, it's funny. It's a, it's, it seems strange that they're all, all, it's always the Ephraimites causing trouble and they aren't even in the territory right next to uh, Gad. You know, you got... You got you got nine and a half tribes on one side of the of the Jordan River. You got two and a half tribes over here on the on the east side, and then you have Ammon on the other side. You got you got you got Ephraim, and then there's part of the half a tribe of Manasseh on this right in between the Jordan River, then Gad, then Ammon. So, you know they're they're dealing with this thing over here with Ammon and Ephraim's got their nose in the middle of this whole thing. <laughs> they always seem to be there trying to get some kind of credit. <clears throat> Not sure how Ephraim even knew what was going on over there. Seems like they're always the ones meddling in other people's business. <laughs> if you remember back in Numbers uh, 32, 33, it says, So Moses gave to the children of Gad, to the children of Reuben and to the half a tribe half a tribe of Manasseh the son of Joseph the kingdom of Sihon king of the Amorites and the king of Og king of Bashan the land with the cities with his with the borders the cities of the surrounding country so instead of going into the promised land with the rest of their brothers they wanted to settle on the east side, on the east side of the Jordan River, since they had a, a multitude of cattle, and, they, and the, the land was good over there for them to, to graze and to, to take care of this cattle. They wanted to stay there. But, but the stipulation was that they had to go into the promised land and help their brothers clear it out, and then, then they can have that land there. So once again, we see Ephraim causing trouble. They wanted to get in on and get credit for taking down the enemy without doing anything. See, 
everybody else is always fighting the battle, but Ephraim wants to get in on it after, you know, not have to really do anything. They just want to, they want to get credit for it. <clears throat> they were complainers. Kind of like those that want to complain about everything in ministry. You know, unfortunately we have that in the, in the church, the same. You know, they, instead of stepping up and being the one to do it, you know, they'll say, why don't we have this here? Or why don't we, we do this here? You know, instead of, you know, it's been said, if you have an idea and you think uh, something should be done, you want, to, want someone to do it, then maybe God has put it on your heart to do it. Maybe God has called you. You know, maybe if you're, if you're seeing that thing that needs to be done, step up, step up and do it. Or, or at least inquire that you, if you can do it. You know, of course, we've got to run everything through leadership, but maybe God's put that on your heart. For 18 years, the people of Ammon suppressed Israel, but the Ephraimites never did anything. They had nothing to do with them. Now all of a sudden, Jephthah is going in there. The Lord's given the defeat. You know, he's given them the battle. And they want to go in. And why didn't you call us? You know, 18 years they had, could have came over and done, did something. But, no. <clears throat> Again, they're all just talk. They just talk. Back in Judges chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, it says, so the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. From that year they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. And all the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan in the land of, of the Amorites in Gilead. So we see the Ephraimites are always brave after the battle or when someone else has done all the work. They will always tell, you know, they always seem to tell you the, their rights and want, but they don't want to accept a responsibility, you know, kind of like the, our, the church can be, people in, us in the church. <clears throat> they are proud and arrogant and think that everything is about them instead of giving God all the glory. We as Christians can be exactly the same way. We need to look at what God has done, not what, uh, what others are doing. You know, it's not important for us as individuals to see what other people are doing or where God's, how God's using them. We've got we to gotta trust the Lord and ask God, what, what is it, Lord, that you want me to do? And just be faithful. Be, uh, be your utmost for his highest. You know, a little cliche there, but that's what we need to be. We need to quit worrying about everything and just focus on what God has us to do and do it with everything that you got in the power of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> for all God's glory. You know, in, in Romans 7, you know, seven eighteen, it says there, there's nothing good in us. It says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, 
but how to perform what is good I do not find. See, we need to find out what God has called each and every one of us to do and do it. We also need to be careful. We in the church can be just like the Ephraimites. You know, we let others fight the battle as we sit and do nothing. We let others teach and, and, and the children or the, or the youth, let others usher. We let others do the jobs that seem to be the, the low jobs and don't get the glory and that are done behind the scenes and that people don't see. And we let others go out and share the gospel. We let others go on missions or go to prisons or nursing homes or orphanages. <clears throat> we let others do these things, but then we're quick to criticize from the sidelines on how they should be done. You know, Lord, help us if this is what we're doing. You know, help us to come. We're, we're to be of one mind and one accord, you know, breaking in bread from house to house and, and, and prayers. And, you know, that's, that's how the, the, the church in the book of Acts did it. That's how the church can, has to continue to do it. We've got to love one another. <clears throat> we can't be fighting and criticizing and bickering with each other. You know, this is, this, these, these guys are brother. Ephraim, you know, all these, all these are brothers. They're brothers in, in the Lord, supposed to be anyhow. <clears throat> but they veered off of the Word of God. They veered so far. Look at what. Look at how they brought all the. And that's the condition of the church today. Same thing. You know, not not particularly this this fellowship, but I'm talking about the church in whole. <clears throat> we all need to be careful of pride. This is how Satan fell, and this is how we too can fall. We need to pray. You know that the Lord would give us a servant's heart. Not to be jealous of others and, and what God is doing through them, but just be faithful, what He's given us to do. Philippians 2 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Man, that's a hard one, huh? <laughs> let esteem everyone else better than yourself. <clears throat> May God help us to humble ourselves, you know. To always take that lower place. You know, we, we rush to get the high place all the time. But we, we need to take the lower place. We need to humble ourselves before God. We humble ourselves before God, and he's going to lift us up. <clears throat> and that's, that's where Satan fell through pride. That's where we fall through pride. You know, it, gets, it messes us up, and we're all susceptible to it. <clears throat> May we seek first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness. We don't want to seek glory for ourselves. All honor and glory always belong to God, not to man. Often God chooses to use us in a manner less glamorous or spectacular than we would like. You know, do we pout about it? Are we looking to receive glory? Do we control our pride and jealousy and accept God's will? You know, or are we like these Ephraimites? And have uh, have uh, difficulty learning these lessons. You know, this is the questions we have to ask ourselves individually. You know, we have, we always have to examine ourselves, see where we are with the Lord, <clears throat> and that's their that's that's how they they progressively they started bringing in all these other things. And they progressively started going off course, 
And, and you know how, how they say, you know, you start off course a little, little bit, and by the time you hit the, you know, you're way off course. <clears throat> and that's how they started out. They started out walking with God, and then they, they, they were off course. Verse 2, it says, And Jephthah said to them, My people and I were in a great struggle with the people of Ammon, and when I called you, you did not deliver me out of their hands. See, Jephthah here is telling him that he did indeed call them. They're telling him he didn't, but he did indeed call them. And, and they never came to help. Obviously, they are lying to make themselves look good and to make Jephthah look bad. <clears throat> you know, it said if, if you tell a lie long enough, you know, people will eventually believe it. And, and then you end up believing the lie that you, you talk so much about for so long. You start to believe it, and others believe it. I mean, we see it, we see it in our media today, in, in our politicians, in, in, in the fake news, and everything. They, they lie, they lie, they lie, and pretty soon everybody thinks this is what's really happening, but it's, it's all lies. <clears throat> and similar to what they're doing here. You know, they, they, they probably believe it. Verse 3, it says, So when I saw that you would not deliver me, I took my life in my hands and crossed over against the people uh, over against the people of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? You know, they, they never came to his aid. So the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Jephthah, and he delivers them. He delivers them into the hands. <clears throat> the Lord, the judge, rendered judgment between the children of Israel and the uh, people of Ammon, just like Jephthah said back in verse 27 of chapter 11. So Jephthah wants to know why the Ephraimites are coming up, up to fight against him. You know, and, it, and it's pretty sad how, how they're brothers, you know, and they're, and they're fighting against each other. We'll see. We'll see where this leads to. I mean, it's it's not good. It's not good what what we can do. Uh, verse four says, "Now Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought against Ephraim. And the men of Gilead defeated Ephraim because they said, you Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassites.' So now we see." Jephthah gathering his men to fight against Ephraim. Jephthah was insulted by Ephraim, you know, and now Jephthah is going to get in the flesh. We see Jephthah losing it here. He gets in the flesh and takes his, his, his matters into his own hand. It doesn't say the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah this time because he was in the wrong. <clears throat> yeah, He's, he's got them coming against him, but, but he should be going to the Lord. Lord, is this what you want me to do, right? Just like he did before. <clears throat> he's not doing that. He's not inquiring of the Lord on this because he's, he's, he's upset. They insulted him, and they're coming again. I mean, they want to burn his house down, right? And, and you know, we, we could all do the same thing. You know, somebody comes accusing you, and they're, they're in your face, and they're going to they're threatening to do something. You're ready, you know, okay, here I go. But we got we to gotta pray. That's when we need to pray the most. <clears throat> Lord, show me how to get out of this. 
And, and you know what? God is faithful. If, we, if he would have done that, I, I'm sure the whole circumstances would have been different. <clears throat> Maybe he would have had to take them in battle, but God, at least then he has the blessing of God, you know, to fight that battle. <clears throat> the battle belongs to the Lord. Belongs to the Lord, you know, and we need to take everything to the Lord in prayer before we react or we end up overreacting. You know, in, in the situations in our life. This, this ends up becoming a civil war. And this is never God's will. But they have gone so astray as a nation, and they're so divided because all the pagan junk that they brought in, and everyone doing right in his own eyes, and not following the Word of God. It's a sad turn of events, just like in our country today. You know, we were founded on God's word. We were, we, we, yeah, we, we haven't been great the whole time, but, but there was a time when we were a lot better than we are now. <clears throat> and you could just see the chaos now. It's, it's anarchy that we live in. <clears throat> Verse 5, The Gileadites seized the fords of the Jordan before the Ephraimites arrived, and when the Ephraimite, when any Ephraimite who escaped said, "Let me cross over," the men of Gilead would say to him, "Are you an Ephraimite?" And he said, "If he said no, then they would say to him, then say Shibboleth." And he would say Sibboleth, for he could not pronounce it right. Then they would take him and kill him at the forts of the Jordan. There fell at that time forty-two thousand Ephraimites. Forty-two thousand Ephraimites. These guys are brothers. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> we see the Gileadites seizing the fords of the Jordan before the Ephraimites arrive. For those of us that might not know what a ford is, it's not that piece of junk that I have out in the in the parking lot. <laughs> it's a it's a uh, it's a relatively shallow place in a river crossing where, where you can cross over or you can wade through to get through the water. That's what, that's what, it's like a strategic point where you would, where you would uh, hold off a, a river. <clears throat> you know, it's a, a good place to take hold of because it, no one can cross over except for that little spot or that little ford where they, where they can wade through or they can cross over. <clears throat> This is where they st they held that area, waiting for the Ephraimites to, to cross over. <clears throat> so it says, when any Ephraimite who escaped said, let me cross over, then the men of Gilead would say to him, are you an Ephraimite? If he said no, then he would say to him, then say Shibboleth. And he would say Sibboleth, for he could not pronounce it right. It's kind of funny, I just... I'm having a bridge work done on my teeth right now <laughs> before the study. So now I'm kind of <laughs> everything that I talk. <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of funny how the, it applies to this study. <clears throat> I got the, the temporaries in right now. Yeah, sh sh shibla. <laughs> 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 
So the word shibboleth, which signifies a stream or a river, was what they desired to pass over. So it was a word right for the occasion and gave them no cause to suspect what they were doing because they were required only to express their desire to go over that shibboleth or river. They were dropping their guard, obviously being in a hurry, so they would say it as they usually would, you know. We see that in our, 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 our cultures today, you know, different cultures that can't pronounce different letters or, or the, the grouping of letters, you know, a PH sound or, or an R, you know, L for R, you know, we see that happening. <clears throat> the Gileadites knew that, the, the, that they pronounced this word different because they weren't able to pronounce the sh sound. Instead, they would pronounce it s. Therefore, this would distinguish them. And, and the, the Ephraimites had a different dialect, and it would give them away. You know, and this is similar to uh, the Gal- Galileans in Jesus' time. In Matthew uh, 26, 73, it says, And a little, little later, those who stood by came and said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for your speech betrays you. And that, uh, like I said earlier, that's what we see in this day, a different... Pr- the different pronunciations of words can give away where we are from or, or our different dialects. But even more so, it applies to the church. You know, as Christians, what we say and what comes out of our mouth can give away where we are with the Lord. You know, we can, we, you give away your, the maturity of who you are in the Lord by, by what comes out of your mouth. You know, some of us might might tell another brother good luck or or <laughs> you know we don't worship the god of luck but but or or that i go and do yoga or, or, or i i checked out my astrology or or whatever it might be you know that might be somebody young in the lord and they don't know better <clears throat> but what comes out of our mouth also gives us away So then it says that those that pronounce the word wrong, they would take and kill at the fords of the Jordan, and there were 42,000 that fell at that time. 42,000. You know, so far, so, you know, how far is Jephthah going to take this? In the, in the previous verse, it said the men of Gilead defeated Ephraim. It already defeated them. But now Jephthah wants to take it even to the extreme. He's going to kill, after he already defeated them, he's going to take and kill 42,000 of them, of his brothers. <laughs> but this is a mighty man of valor, and he's in the hall of faith. <laughs> Used by the Lord mightily, but look at where he got, got himself into. 42,000. Taking his daughter. You know, is there, is there no mercy? Has Jephthah got any mercy here? I, I don't see it. <clears throat> you know, Jephthah doesn't just let this end there, you know, end there at the defeat. He takes it all the way until he has 42,000 of them killed. 
And we too are to be careful not to be legalists, you know, and to have no mercy on others, you know. We need to forgive our brothers. You know, there there might be something, a brother, major thing that they did to you. And, or your family member that's a Christian or something, and, and we might hold that grudge. And, we, we, and you know, it, it says about a, a root of, in Hebrew, is about a root of bitterness. You know, once that root gets in there, it goes, it, it goes in, you know, what a root does. It goes down and it, and it tries to get nourishment. And that, that bitterness just festers and it gets worse and worse and worse. And then, then we're not forgiving our brother. <clears throat> we need to forgive. We need to let go. Maybe that applies to somebody here tonight. Maybe there's somebody you need to forgive. Forgive. Just let it go. Yeah, you might say, oh, I I can't forgive him. No, you can. Through Christ, you can do all things. Just pray, God, give me that heart to forgive. The more, and when you start to pray for somebody, it's funny. You can have a, a grudge against them, but when you start to pray for them, it's amazing how God, you got to get to that point, though, where you start praying, because God will start changing your heart, you know, just by praying, because you're, you're, you wanna, we want to, we all want to be right with God, right? And we, we, if we have something against a bro, another brother, we can't, we can't go to the altar, Right? It says, get right with that brother and then, then come to the altar. <clears throat> so it's amazing when you, when you get right with God and you start praying, then God starts tweaking your heart and starts doing that work that you, that you couldn't think you could do. <clears throat> Our sin always looks worse on someone else. I know you've heard pastors say that. Uh, you've probably heard it said, that when you point your finger too at somebody, you're pointing. You got three pointing back at you. You know, we all we've all heard that. <clears throat> First Corinthians two fifteen through sixteen says, "But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he might, may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." We all have the mind of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. We have no, we have no excuses. <clears throat> but we, we fail. We all do. We've got we to gotta repent, get back up, and keep running that race. If we are in His Word and seeking His will and abiding in His Word, then we can make the right decisions. You know, this is a sad turn of events here for Israel, but it was never meant to be like this. You see here how they are all so far away from the Word of God and His will. You know, they're, they're so out of the will of God that they're killing each other. And look at the church, the same condition. You know, we've got all these denominations and and. Everybody's fighting, you know, you know, like Xavier says, fight against, fight for doctrine. Yeah, we need to know the truth. But, but division in the church and all that stuff that breaks up a church, that, that okay, now half the church is going over to another church, and they're here and there, and all this over useless stuff that doesn't need to happen. And it's all from pride. 
pride. That's what it is. It's our pride. You see, Ephraim, how they were in the center of the rebellion. Boy, they they were they started off. I mean, they were they were <laughs> they got way off course, Ephraim, and they were in the center of rebellion, causing trouble, going up to get. Uh, Gideon and now Jephthah. First Samuel fifteen twenty three says, "For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry." So we too can be just like them in the center of rebellion. And if we are, we need to clean it up. We need to do it today. Today is the day. You know, we got to get it right. We got that this little short window of opportunity to make an effect. On the world, and the question is, what are we doing? We don't want to let the enemy get in. We don't want our flesh to get in. We don't want to. We don't want to be divided. We want to be unified in Christ, because we want to be a, a, a light to those outside the church. We want people to be able to come in and see the, our love for one another, you know. And 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 we do have this kind of church, you know. We we have a lot of good brothers and sisters here. <clears throat> but we too can start to veer off and boom, we can be the same as anywhere else. <clears throat> we see Jephthah and the Gileadites also not following the word of God, but acting on their own impulses. These things that happened to Israel were written down for us to learn from them so that we wouldn't do the same thing. You know, 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written down for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. You know, they were written for us for an example. Because God knew. I mean, all these things, you know, we see all these judges, and, and some of them there's not much written about. Some of them there's more written about. And, and I think the ones that are written more about, God has more... To, to, to point and to show us different things in our life, you know, examples that we would learn from them so we won't make the same mistakes. Unfortunately, most of us, we, got it, we learn the hard way. We, we, we make the mistakes. But, but guys, we, we need to encourage each other, you know, encourage each other. When, when you see your brother falling, you know, re- restore him, <clears throat> help him, pray for him. That's the most important thing, man. Just bring him, bring him to the throne of God with, you know, in prayer. <clears throat> we need to encourage each other, build each other up. Our nation was founded on the Word of God, and look how far we've strayed. Verse seven, and it says, "And Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah the Gileadite died." and was buried among the cities cities of Gilead. We see Jephthah judge Israel for only six years, and then he died. You know, I, I, I was thinking, you know, what, what do you want me to learn out of this, Lord? But it was a little short time. And then he died. And I... And, I, I, you know, I can't say this for sure, but I can say 
from the looks of everything that's going on here and the Word of God. <clears throat> the Word of God doesn't say, so, so we can't say for sure, but could have this been the judgment of God on, on Jephthah, you know, this short bit of life. Jephthah should have never made that vow to the Lord to offer his daughter as a burnt offering to the, to the Lord. God had specifically forbidden human offering, I mean, forbidden offering human sacrifices, so it was absolutely not God's desire for Jephthah to sacrifice his daughter. And, and here, I'd like to bring up a verse here. Leviticus 21 through 5 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Again, you shall say to the children of Israel, Whoever of the children of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel who gives any of his descendants to Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man and I will cut him off from his people. Because he has given some of his descendants to Molech to defile my my sanctuary, and profane my holy name. And here's the, here's the verse. And if the people of the land in any way hide their eyes from the man when he gives some of his descendants to Molech and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man and against his family, and I will cut him off from his people. You know, one day we'll find out for sure. But but this this is this is this was what was in the law of God, and this is what they should have been following, right? <laughs> it seems to say, you know, that God was going to cut them off. You know, do circum does does God's judgment always happen right now when we do something, or is sometimes it's down the the way, you know? Yeah, they should have stoned him. They should have killed him. If that's truly what happened, then they should have done that. If they, if he actually gave his wife, his uh, daughter, <clears throat> as a burnt offering, it should have happened right then. <clears throat> if they were following the word of God, that's what it just said right here. Uh, Jeremiah seven thirty one, Jeremiah nineteen five, and Jeremiah thirty two clearly indicate that. The idea of human sacrifice has never entered God's mind. <clears throat> the, the account of Jephthah and his daughter serves as an example for us not to make foolish oaths or vows. You know, it shouldn't it also serve as a warning to make sure any vow that we make, if we make that vow, you know, he did keep his vow, <laughs> but don't make a foolish vow. You know, just let your yes be yes and your no be no. You know, don't. And if we can, man, let's just trust God. When we know it's the will of God to do something, trust Him that He's going to do it. I know it's hard. It's hard for all of us. It's hard sometimes to know the will of God when you, when, like you're in that gray area. You know, okay, is this what you want me to do, Lord? And you, you know you're you're reading the word and you don't find it in the word, but it's it's hard to find that that the will sometimes. But we but when we seek him diligently, 
you know, in Hebrews 11, 6, it says he's, he's a rewarder of those who uh, diligently seek him. For those who come to God must believe that he is, and he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, sometimes it just just takes a while for God's judgment to catch up, and, and God's very patient. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Whatever we do, man, and I know for my own life, you know, the things that I did in the past, you know, they're catching up to me now that I'm getting older. All those stupid things that I did in my past, even though I wasn't in Christ, the, the, the effects and the, and the stupidity that I did, thinking I was, you know, nothing could happen to me. I'm, I'm tough, you know, but that... <laughs> Now, now the body breaks down and you start getting weak and everything else. Things, whatever we sow, that we also reap. We see all the judges in this book are just regular people, just like you and I with faults, you know. But they're used by God because they believed God. And that's the important thing. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. We believe God and is accounted to us for righteousness. And, and that's the thing, faith. You know, it's not just believing what, what God says, but we also have to act upon what we believe. If the Word of God says to do this or, or to be this way, you know, when, when we show we truly believe it when we act upon that belief, right? Because that's biblical faith, acting upon God's Word. <clears throat> It's not enough to just believe. The, the demons believe and they tremble. As long as they were seeking God in His will, then they did His will. But once they veered from it and they did their own will, then everything started to fall apart. Is that what we see? Similar to us, when we come to Christ, God saves us. And then the process starts. But if we don't read His Word daily, pray, and learn the will of God for our life, and come to know Him intimately, then we too can veer from the truth. And then end up like some of these. You know, some, you know you've seen brothers and, and sisters, most of you, if you've been walking with the Lord for long enough, we, we've seen them. You know, they're walking, they're, they're running, they, they're, they're like sprinting. You know, they, they took out like a, a rabbit, you know, but we've got to finish the race. We've got to finish, and we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We might even know the Word of God intellectually, but then, but the question is, are we applying it? Like it says in James 1.22, but be doers of the word, not just hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know, God help us. I'd like to exhort us with a couple of promises from God to those who obey God's word. Deuteronomy 5.33 says, You shall walk in the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. 
Also, Proverbs 3, 1 through 2 says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace will be added to you. So verse 8, After him, Isbon of Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons, and he gave away 30 daughters in marriage, and brought in 30 daughters from elsewhere for his sons. He judged Israel seven years. Then Isbon died and was buried in Bethlehem. After him, Elon the Zebulonite judged Israel. He judged Israel ten years. And Elon the Zebulonite died and was buried in, at Ajalon in the country of Zebulun. After him, Abdon the son of Hillel the Piriathanite judged Israel. He had thirty sons and thirty grandsons who rode on seventy donkeys. He judged Israel eight years. Then Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Perathianite, died and was buried in Perathon in the land of Ephraim in the mountains of the Amalekites. So there's, these are the last few judges here. There's not much said about them. We see here Isbon was a judge from Bethlehem who had 30 sons and daughters and gave his daughters away in marriage and brought 30 daughters from elsewhere for his sons. And it, it was, it, was it, all, it all all of a sudden came to me today as I was reading over my notes. He gave he had thirty sons, but he brought in thirty daughters from elsewhere. And it made me think of Deuteronomy seven two through three. It says, "And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor shall you make." marriage with them you shall not give your sons your daughters or or their son i mean i'm sorry their daughter to i'm sorry i just wrote this by hand today you shall not give your daughter to their son nor take their daughter for your son you know they're, they're already this guy's this guy's veering off you know they're doing what god commanded them not to do you know they're not to bring in people from a, other nations and marry in and intermingle because they they end up worshiping their gods just like solomon had all those wives the 700 wives and and 300 concubine he brought in all all the false gods with them that they worship then elon of zebulun judged israel for 10 years after him abdon the son of hillel the Parathianite judged Israel for eight years and had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on, on 70 donkeys. You know, he, these guys were definitely wealthy men. <laughs> and we heard that last time about the, the donkeys. You know, it's a, they had wealth to have all these sons riding on donkeys in these cities and everything else. <clears throat> he died and was buried in Parathon. This is all that, that it says of these judges and not really, really any details of what they did as, judge, as judges and what was going on at the time they were judging. So obviously there, there was nothing God really wanted for these judges to, to apply to our life. You know, God has written all these things in the, in the Word for our admoni- ad, admonition, like I said earlier. You know, and <clears throat> let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just... We just thank you for 
for your word, Lord, and we just thank you that uh, you put these warnings in, in your word, Lord, for, for us as we, we see the examples of what happened to them and we see the, the parallels of, of, our, our, of us in the church, Lord, and how, how these things can take us down and how they can apply to us, Lord. Help us as a, as a church be a, a beacon for the, for the surrounding area, Lord. Help us to be uh, brothers and sisters that love one another, Lord, that they may see our love for one another. And, and uh, Father, help us to be about your business as the time is short, Lord. And we just thank you, Father. Thank you for this fellowship. And just uh, pray that you get us all home safely, that you would uh, just continue to minister to our lives, Lord. We love you and thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.